This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Well, as you know, one of my favorite things to do on this podcast is to interview people that uh, are influencers and leaders and thought leaders. And uh, this particular day and podcast, I'm uh, especially excited. This is one of those podcasts I've been looking forward to for a while. And that's because I'm going to interview my second son, Daniel Blackaby. And uh, if you have ever heard me preach or teach, you probably heard a story about Daniel and you recognize that I attribute much of my current prayer life to Daniel as a teenager. And uh, it is great to see where he is today. In fact, he works uh, for Blackaby Ministries and uh, actually lives across the street and graciously provided me my first two grandsons. And so uh, he has uh, made up for some of the grief he gave us when he was younger. And uh, what a joy now to see him serving the Lord the way he is. So Daniel, welcome to uh, the podcast today. Yeah, well, thank you. We've been talking about doing this uh, for quite a while, and I thought maybe it's time to finally get on here and uh, start setting the record straight of some of the lies you've been telling about me over the years. And <laughs> I wish I was exaggerating on some of those stories. <laughs> Sometimes people assume I must be, but uh, but it is good uh, to have Daniel. And actually, I really want to have Daniel come on periodically over the next while because he has a very interesting background of study and a very interesting ministry he does with us that I think is very relevant. But uh, Daniel, maybe just uh, begin by telling us a little bit about, uh, especially your your PhD and your studies, because you have an interesting focus that I think is increasingly becoming relevant to us today. Yeah, so I, I graduated with my uh, PhD just a couple of years ago, and kind of in an area that uh, may be somewhat less common than, than others at, uh, from a seminary, but it was in Christian aesthetics, uh, which is just sort of the fancy way of saying kind of the philosophy or the theology of art and culture and uh, kind of trying to wrestle with some of the questions of, you know, what's beauty, what is culture, uh, how do stories impact us, what does the Bible say about this stuff, and it's, it's issues that are that are kind of impact everyone to some, uh, to some degree, but, uh, but maybe an area that not many people have, have kind of done a deeper dive in to really wrestle with, and uh, so I just kind of felt that's always where God's kind of gifted me, my interests are, and uh, that I would take the plunge and kind of get into that area. And you, uh, you are an English major from university, and uh, and then did your PhD in aesthetics and uh, culture and so on. And uh, I might just say at the outset, you are a Tolkien nerd as well. <laughs> and uh, if you ever have the opportunity to come to Daniel's uh, house you will see uh, a very unusual library with about every Lord of the Rings uh, sword, mace, and axe uh, that the dwarves and elves use <laughs> hanging on your wall somewhere. Yeah, so maybe pray for my wife. She's not quite as uh, gung-ho about the, the Tolkien stuff as I am. But And you could pray Daniel is trying to convince his wife that he desperately needs a complete suit of armor in their living room <laughs> right now. So that'll tell you something about Daniel. But well, tell us about your dissertation, because I find that very, very interesting, what you tried to argue. Yeah, so my, my, the thesis of my dissertation is uh, kind of taking an apologetic argument uh, on the basis of kind of sublime, great literature, you know, in, in a simple, simplified form, just kind of, you know, the fact that we, as a human species, ended up with Shakespeare and Moby Dick and these classic kind of great works of literature just can't be explained from kind of a Darwinian evolutionary worldview. And obviously I get into the nuances of that, but even just 
if you kind of read like, you know, Charles Darwin, his own diaries and a lot of his own kind of thoughts on his own theory, uh, that a lot of like the scientific stuff that we as kind of Christians tend to think of as the real knockdown arguments, he wasn't himself, wasn't overly concerned about, but kind of the, the biggest challenges to his whole theory, in his own uh, opinion, at least, was beauty, was kind of the fact that we make beautiful things, we're drawn to beauty. Uh, in so many ways, you know, it couldn't fit into his, his theory of natural selection. And uh, he just wrestled kind of from you know, his entire career trying to, to make sense of this sort of this whole aesthetic area that didn't seem to fit into this other kind of theory that he had developed over uh, the course of his life. So kind of in my dissertation, just kind of taking, jumping off of that, you know, if, if, if Darwin himself thought this was, you know, almost an insurmountable problem, then as the church, we should, we should be looking into this. And didn't, didn't Darwin say, like, didn't peacocks give him all kinds of grief? Uh, yeah, that, that's kind of his famous quote, you know, the sight of a, you know, the feather in a peacock's tail, whenever I uh, gaze at it, it makes me sick. And this sort of, <laughs> this, you know, he wrote that in a letter to a colleague, just kind of get the sense of he's just sort of kept up at night, uh, trying to figure out like, why do we care about beauty? Why do we care about stories and uh, art and all these things that don't really you know, assistance, you know, survival needs, but they, they obviously, you know, make life a better, more enjoyable thing to live. Uh, so I, I kind of got into that with my dissertation. Yeah. And tell us just one other thing before we kind of jump in today. And that is what you do. I'd like to know as the boss, what you do for Blackaby Ministries <laughs> International. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I feel like my, my main job was to keep the, keep my boss on his toes. Uh, or on his him. knees. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, just add some colored hair to the to the staff. Um, but yeah, so I do a lot of things with the uh, with the ministry. Probably one of the main uh, areas that that I've invested with is with uh, the Collision. It's kind of a newer ministry, kind of that we've branched out of the main Black Abbey Ministries, um, which is really just looking at cultural issues, kind of, kind of cultural engagement. Uh, you know, it's a it's a wide uh, topic, and we come at it from different angles. But in a lot of ways, based on Acts 17, where uh, Paul, Apostle Paul, is in Athens, which is kind of the Hollywood of his day, talking. You know, she starts quoting Greek poems, and he's talking about the, you know, the, the statue of the unknown god, the sort of these sculptures, and uh, just sort of this picture of you know what it looks like for a Christian to be in a, you know, kind of the arts and culture center of the world, and just having conversations, pointing people towards the gospel. And uh, so for the collision, that's what we do. We have live streams every week. We do articles, uh, do videos, kind of answering questions about, you know, how should Christians engage in this area? Or, you know, what can we learn from this popular movie? And uh, just trying to kind of take a biblical worldview and kind of look through that lens at just the culture that kind of permeates our, so much of our life already. Yeah, you write uh, some great blogs. Always interesting. Daniel will always get you thinking and scratching your head saying, I'd never thought about that or seen it that way before. Uh, and uh, every Tuesday at noon, Eastern time, you can go and catch the live stream uh, of The Collision. Uh, he and uh, Sam Camp, who works with us as well, uh, do a discussion on the current issues out there and always interesting. Do some movie reviews as well, current movies, um, and trying to just approach it from a Christian perspective. I think it's just very interesting uh, and, a, and a needed area, I think, for Christians today. because And that really kind of takes us right into the whole area of culture. Uh, that's something that you are addressing a lot. And certainly, whether we realize it or not, uh, every one of us is affected continually by our culture that we live in. But uh, tell me, like, like why, should, why should Christians care about culture in the first place? Yeah, and obviously you know, there's many ways to even 
uh, think about culture, you know, with a lot of what I do with the collision, you know, we approach kind of more the, what I would maybe call like the arts and entertainment culture or the, you know, movies and narratives and just sort of trends and uh, different areas. But I think, you know, the, the, the main reason is just that it's everywhere, everywhere you go. Um, you know, even if you feel like, uh, you know, I've had people say that they're just not into, you know, movies, and they're not really a culture person, but then they're, you know, they're driving you know, to work and they're listening to the radio and they're looking out the window and there's, uh, you know, billboards for stuff going on in culture and they show up to work and they're overhearing people talking in the office about the new movie that came out. And uh, it's just, it's as, you know, if we're at all kind of going to leave our house and, uh, you know, live life and, you know, be sent into the world, we're going to be, we're going to be engaged with culture. So in, in some sense, I think it's just, it's unavoidable. Yeah. I've heard it said that it's like asking a fish what it, feels like to be wet and uh and and a fish th thinking well well like what is water like that's just that's just his world he just he he's nothing he's never known anything but existing in water and so for him it just seems natural but uh but culture is kind of like that it's almost like the water we we swim in it's uh it, it it's our world which we live it's the reality that we face every day and i think we we're probably fooling ourselves to think that culture doesn't impact us in some way yeah and even i know there's a kind of a famous quote that that several different people have have used but where they say like politics is downstream of culture and mm -hmm. i kind of expand that to even as you know almost everything is in some level downstream from culture you know the kind of at the base level we have these sort of these narratives these movies these trends these discussions that um, that are kind of birthed out of these kind of cultural things. And, you know, that's shaping the, the way where, you know, people are understanding questions of like identity or uh, relationships or meaning or uh, beauty or all these, all these questions that kind of, you know, they, they're immersed in them. And, you know, by the time that trickles down to, you know, something like politics where, you know, politicians are trying to campaign on things that are popular that will get them elected. Uh, they're looking to the things that kind of the, the culture that, kind of the sea, you know, has already kind of filled the, the, the life, kind of shaped the minds of, I think as, and even as the church, this and as we kind of, you know, we're called to be like fishers of men, you know, Jesus sends us out into the world. And we, a lot of times we kind of end up standing downstream uh, and kind of waiting for the fish to come to us. And, you know, by the time we reach them where we're engaging with people, uh, there's already these worldviews and philosophies and uh, just kind of viewpoints that that culture has just hammered into them and shaped them. And they're these sort of deep rooted uh, beliefs or convictions that, you know, that, you know, we're, they're not, we're not starting from like a blank slate. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're trying to address things that the world has already been uh, preaching to them every day, uh, you know, more often than an hour at church or yeah. uh, so it matters, you know, even if it doesn't, you know, it affects all of us personally to some degree, but uh, even kind of beyond just us, I think it, it is influencing the world that we are called to reach. I think if we want to be effective in having those conversations, we need to, uh, at some, you know, to some degree, understand sort of what's going on and what conversations are happening. Yeah, you know, and I and we could get into a lot of different uh, discussions with this, but uh, certainly just if you even look at, for instance, maybe a sitcom, uh, a humorous sitcom on TV where there's some kind of outrageous person or the person on the fringe or that and they they sort of present them as a, a comic figure you laugh at them and they're 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 kind of bizarre and and different than everybody else and uh and and you sort of poke fun at them and laugh at them but then uh, in time you have enough of those sort of figures out there in the media that it becomes commonplace and accepted and then eventually politicians are passing laws making these things normative and ordinary and 
And we forget that uh, that used to be on the fringe. It used to be an aberration. And the media just popularizes various lifestyles and worldviews until we just assume that's how it's always been a few years later or how, how much more enlightened we are. We used to laugh at certain things on TV, and now we accept them and codify them in the law. Uh, and so it's you can see in just a number of examples where me, where culture kind of affects us, and ultimately we pass laws to uh, codify that and solidify that into what we have to do now. We used to laugh at it. Now it's law and it's legal, and we have no choice. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, also just... Uh, the, the different ways that Christians have approached culture. And this is a, this is a leadership uh, podcast, and we talk about being people of influence. And it seems that perhaps in earlier generations, Christians exerted a greater influence on culture than perhaps they do now. What, what, what has changed? Um, yeah, and obviously that's a, um, that's a big, uh, big discussion. A lot, a lot has uh, changed. Some of it's just... Um, kind of inevitable as culture, sort of the culture changes, the, the way the church engages with culture is going to be different one way or the other, you know, regardless of uh, what kind of motivations are, are fueling that. I think, you know, as cultures, you know, it's easy to look at kind of the, the, the olden days back in history and see that, you know, so much of the art was religious and, you know, it seems like Christians were, were so involved and, you know, it seems like we're less so today and some of that is just it was cultural different you know, artists like da vinci uh, may have painted some great religious art but i don't necessarily think that da vinci had a relationship with jesus it was just, it was a cultural thing where well and the church uh, had all the money then and the church you, had you the wanted mon- to be a paid artist you pretty well had to do some kind of church theme didn't you yeah it was a lot of it was commissioned just sort of the you know the the authority of the of the church and some of the i think you can kind of trace some of the um, kind of losing, I guess, the the prominent role in culture to that. With the even if you just look at like the Reformation and when kind of the um, Protestants broke away from the Catholic Church, you know they they resisted so much of sort of the extravagance and the big cathedrals and the money and wanted to focus elsewhere and just icons and things that they kind of threw it all out. Uh, you know they pushed all of it away. Better just to not deal any you know with aesthetics or the arts or uh, just, you know because there's been abuses. And I think there's obviously there's good to that, um, but a result of that is just being that you know, the, kind of the Protestant uh, branch of the Christianity has become very much kind of like a people of the book. It's sort of just the Bible, and not you know, we, not really focused as much on aesthetics and you know the role that culture can play. We're, you know, the church isn't kind of the one at the forefront commissioning, uh, commissioning you know artworks and. Uh, so in in that sense, but I would say that in some ways the you know we we tend to think that Christians are just not involved in culture anymore, uh, but kind of the maybe a counterpoint to that is just that I think arguably the church and Christians are more involved in the arts than maybe at any point in history. There's you know, we're making movies. There's ton, the whole Christian uh, music. There's tons of Christians are are involved, and there's sort of whole industry. I think the the biggest change is just that the it's taking the kind of that engagement is taking place in sort of this separate subculture. Uh, it's, it's sort of, you know, the side room to the big party where the world's doing their Hollywood thing and uh, they're influent, they're, you know, doing writing literature and all that stuff. And we kind of have our, you know, our, our side kind of safer, sacred space where we're doing our own, you know, we're kind of reestablishing our own culture. So, so I don't mm-hmm. know if it's necessarily that Christians just aren't engaged as much with the arts, but I think as far as influence, we're sort of more focused on just sort of doing our own thing than kind of having an influence on the the wider culture. 
If you've ever wondered how to ask the right questions to move people onto God's agenda, then consider attending the Spiritual Leadership Coaching Workshop May 2nd through 4th in the Atlanta area. Not only is there great teaching at this workshop, but you will also be able to practice what you learn. Use code EARLYBIRD at checkout for a special discount. To find out more and to register, visit blackabycoaching.org workshop. Links will be in the show notes. Yeah, it's interesting. For instance, like with musicians, you know, you can have the Christian artist who sings Christian songs and does Christian concerts. And then now and then those artists will do be a crossover and they'll they'll do something for the contemporary, the this the the broader secular charts and audience. And a lot of times as Christians, I think we see them as kind of sellouts, you know, they're they sold out to the have they compromised themselves now that they're performing for secular audiences and not just Christian, but that's an ongoing debate and one that you, I know, deal a lot with on the collision is just, should Christians be having their own subculture that where all the Christians go to their own concerts and uh, read the Christian books and so on, or should they be trying to write and sing and perform and create uh, for the world audience at large and try to present uh, a beautiful picture of perhaps Christian themes, but do it in a way that um, secular audiences can appreciate it as well. Um, and so we are kind of having an influence on our fellow believers, but perhaps the larger secular audience, Christians, a lot of times we've just kind of withdrawn from that. And we see it as evil. We look at, you know, of course, there's a lot of uh, pastors, preachers that will badmouth Hollywood from the pulpit all the time as an evil place. And certainly it's produced a lot of evil thoughts and uh, movies and, and other things. But uh, but I think for Christians, like Paul, as you described in Athens, uh, Christians in the first century never shied away from the secular places. <laughs> they uh, the ungodly places, they, they they figured, hey, I'm a light, I might as well go to the darkest place and try to shine on that as well. Yeah, one of the ways that, you know, with the collision, what we've talked about, um, just sort of what is kind of culture, what is engagement is, uh, we use the, the term like cultural conversations, where, you know, if you want to kind of know what the, you know, kind of the, the masses and people, especially maybe even the younger generations are, how they're kind of working through bigger issues of identity or uh, racial stuff or just all these kind of main uh, big questions, you know, look at the the art, look at the, the culture, look at the stuff that, you know, that are kind of the conversations that are born out of uh, sort of this, you know, the, the hit shows and all these things that just sort of serve as the platform, I guess, for these cultural conversations. And as the church, I think we you know, we have a lot to contribute to these conversations. We, you know, the, the Bible speaks on all of these, these issues. And especially if I think if we, you know, if, if we feel that we have the truth, if we know kind of what God has, has told us is the, the, you know, his design for that, then we should be engaged. We should be engaged in these wider discussions, uh, not as like a, a tricky, you know, sort of sneak into the world and kind of uh, try and get our songs on there to trick people into hearing some gospel. But but more just say if the arts are where people are talking about important issues, then Christians should be as involved and vocal as anyone in our culture since we are the ones that have the truth. Yeah, and I know you do a lot to encourage people. There's there's a lot of people that have uh, perhaps always wanted to write a fiction book or to write a song or a, a, write a poem or write a screenplay. Uh, and a lot of Christians feel that that's just too daunting or that nobody would be interested. But uh, 
I know everywhere you go, you have people coming up to you, kind of sharing the passion, the dream, the vision that God's given them and kind of wondering, is it even worth the time and effort to try to develop this and put it out there? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's a, it's kind of a, a recent uh, experience that kind of hits home uh, for that was at a, was at a church uh, recently and um, the, the, the speaker on stage was talking about uh, kind of reaching the younger generation, kind of all that God could do through the the next generations, and and as they kind of shared the examples of things that God could, you know, that we should be excited about, like you know, you know it might call someone to be pastors, some could be missionaries, some could be on church staff, and uh, listed about you know five or six different ways that God could use the younger generations, and like every one of them related directly back to kind of a traditional church ministry mm-hmm. context of going as a missionary, going as a pastor. Um, and so some of kind of my passion is just to, to push a little bit to, you know, God needs those people and, you know, artists need pastors that can disciple them. It's, you know, that's, not, I think God is going to call many of those, I hope he does, to traditional ministry things. But if we want to influence the culture, then we also need to be raising up people that are going to be sent into, you know, that kind of arena of culture and, you know, making films, make, engaging with stories, engaging with this sort of cultural commentary or you know, that that's just as much a mission field as, you know, and a, kind of a missionary calling uh, to be sent into the world than just, you know, God will call you to a pastor or he won't. Um, I think the church hasn't always necessarily done uh, as good as it could do as far as just sort of raising up and discipling artists to, to send them uh, rather than just sort of use them for their own, you know, Sunday morning uh, routines or uh, services. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, you see some of these artists and uh, actors and their Twitter followers and all their different social media platforms, uh, they have enormous influence on people's thinking and worldviews. And why would we not want Christians in that market as well? And uh and exerting that kind of influence. Um, well, there, I, there's so many different pathways that we could take going uh, along these, uh, these lines of discussion here with culture and so on. And, and I'm just wanting uh, over the next um, while to just kind of zero in on some specific issues with Daniel because uh, there's just so many things I think are so relevant uh, to us today. But I thought maybe just one last area that we might just just dip our toes into at least. And that is, this is a leadership um, uh, podcast. We're talking about uh, all the different ways where we can be people of influence and and be also just aware of how uh, culture might be influencing us or others uh, as well. And so you are uh, the parent of my two oldest grandchildren, Emerson and Logan, seven-year-old, full of life, twin (laughs) boys who uh, live across the street, so I get to see them all the time. Um, but uh, they are. when I look at the culture in which those, those little boys are growing up in, the, the, the worldview is being promulgated all the time, uh, they are having to swim in a sea of culture that in many ways is very hostile toward the Christian message. And you've had some interesting things to say. Like, I know every parent has to work out a lot of issues in that regard like what kind of movies do we let our kids watch uh what kind of tv shows and you you had an interesting observation one time that we you know it's not enough to say well i'm not going to let my kids watch a restricted adult movie you know here i'm just drawing the line there well that's good that's probably wise 
But oftentimes it could be a popular cartoon, uh, a, a Disney or Pixar movie that might actually have more dangerous uh, ideas being promulgated through a funny cartoon character than perhaps a more graphic kind of uh, movie might have. And we, we sometimes think, oh, this is safe. It's just a cartoon. <laughs> and uh, there might be all kinds of worldviews. Of course, pretty well every storyline is undergirded by some kind of worldview. Yeah, and often that's um, kind of the most impactful part of sort of entertainment is the the worldview. What kind of what view of the world and how is it kind of giving answers to the questions that are being asked? That I think sometimes it's it's almost a, kind of an easier. A way just to well you know we need to prevent our kids from kind of watching what i call the bad stuff of just you know violent sex and profanity you know if it has that stuff it's bad if it doesn't have that stuff then it's okay uh, but the the problem with that uh, mindset is you know sometimes i think there's there's violence and things that there actually are can be valuable for christians to to be exposed to that can help them kind of better understand just sort of the the, the sin of our fallen world and you know it doesn't necessarily always mean that it's gratuitous or bad and kind of the flip side of that is there's you know my kids i've sat down to watch uh, some animated films with my kids and just sort of being blown away by this this kind of militant atheistic uh, agenda that's just being pushed through this film that you know as my kids are young enough they they probably aren't uh, completely aware of everything going on, but it's planting seeds in them. And it's, you know, this is a G-rated movie that the rating system, they're not worried about uh, the messages or some of that stuff. They're just worried about content that, that I do think, especially as a, as a parent and just as, as anyone that's like, trying to engage with culture, that it does require a bit more uh, thought and kind of critical thinking beyond just sort of trusting a, you know, a secular rating system or something to, to do the work for us, that it, it does... Uh, involve us kind of thinking and coming and kind of wrestling through some of the stuff from our own kind of biblical worldview. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, animated uh, movies have a, maybe a, an Eastern religion sort of mindset or a reincarnation mindset or, a, of course, there's all kinds of social agendas that uh, I think we're all aware there are those that just want to indoctrinate young minds to say that these kind of relationships, this kind of behavior is acceptable and good. And as long as we love each other or as long as we met well, or uh, it, as long as it makes me feel fulfilled or whatever else, then, uh, then it's okay. And, uh, and I think a lot of the culture that we live in today is, uh, has, has certainly confused a lot of people. If, if there is no such thing as absolute truth, then, uh, then there's just a, a whole array of confusing messages. Uh, and we're looking at the younger generations now, and they're largely confused about, well, what exactly is true? What is right? What is wrong? Um, and so I think certainly as we try to help our kids and our grandkids navigate culture, uh, we, we need to be educated ourselves, don't we? I mean, we, we can't just be oblivious and say, just go in there and watch cartoons. Um, because our kids, these are not just innocent, uh, value-free, uh, animated programs anymore. There's, there seems to be messages behind all of them. And, uh, I think we should at least be familiar with what those messages are before we let our kids spend all Saturday morning, uh, being just immersed in them. Yeah. And, and some of it too, is not even necessarily that, you know, that we need to know this just so we can keep our kids from ever watching, uh, uh, you know, a Disney movie or, you know, that the, the answer I don't think is always just, you know, retreat or just try and, you know, protect, build the wall up and not, uh, you know, I think it's, it's healthy for kids to, 
uh, you know, obviously they're not mature enough. They don't have their own kind of grounding to, to navigate those issues on their own. Uh, but I think they're, they're at a perfect age to start kind of thinking through, uh, kind of being discipled through that. One of my favorite verses that I kind of apply to uh, just cultural kind of engagement in general is Matthew 10, 16, uh, where it says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Uh, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And I love that verse because it's sort of yeah. this this contrast of like we're called to be holy. We're called to to protect ourselves from being immersed and just sort of bombarded with a bunch of filth or uh, ungodly kind of secular agendas. Uh, but we're also called to be wise, to be cunning, uh, to to think through this stuff. And I think there there is a balance of that. And I think if you kind of go too far in either direction, uh, then you, you start getting in trouble. If you're just only worried about your own purity and uh, you don't want to be exposed to any kind of entertainment that could at all present a worldview that doesn't line up with your own, then you end up not understanding the world. You, you know, th- those entertainment, they're still shaping the world. They're still shaping the lives of, you know, your kid might not watch the movie, but all their classmates will, and that's shaping the way they think. And they'll be asking questions about that. And uh, I think we need, the, you know, we need to help our kids to think through and, uh, you know, why that's not biblical. And, uh, you know, so it is a balance of, you know, but we also don't want to just get so into it, you know, that we're just filling our life with a bunch of filth because we want to understand the world and yeah. engage. And, yeah. you know, that we are called to live holy and protect ourselves. But but it, it is sort of two separate callings that come together. Yeah, you and your brother Mike wrote a book one, uh, years ago called When Worlds Collide. And uh, and it was an interesting uh, approach. We'll put that the reference to that in the show notes. But uh you said, you know, some folks, they, they just try to be almost cave dwellers. Just let's just get away from this awful secular culture and all this evil. But uh, the problem is that at some point you, your kids grow up and they go off to college. They go off to be adults on their own. And then they're confronted head on with stuff you might have protected them from for the first 18 years of their life. And that's partly why 70 to perhaps as many as 80% of kids that grew up going to church will leave church, at least for a time, once they get to university, because they are going to encounter it. So you can protect them uh, when they're children and growing up in your home, but perhaps it might be better to sit down in the living room with them and analyze some of this stuff and talk about it and and explain why this is not true and why this is not what the Bible says or whatever, but but help them learn how to think it through now. And I, I appreciate that about my family. I think we try to do some of that when you were growing up to say, we, we can't just isolate ourselves from the world, so let's engage it, let's talk about it, let's think biblically about it, so that when we're you're not living in our home anymore, you know how to think about it in a biblical, healthy way. But uh, there's a lot to to talk about, a lot of applications. Uh, Certainly it affects our family. Uh, I think we probably underestimate how much culture affects us. And I also think perhaps we sell ourselves a little short in how much God may want to use us uh, to impact culture today. Um, I think when when you see uh, stuff thrown out there on TV and some of the crazy stuff that happens in Hollywood and other places, Christians have a tendency to just want to just you know, get that out of my mind and I don't even want to go there, but someone needs to go there and someone needs to be a light there. And, uh, so I, I encourage you, uh, our listeners today, uh, check out the, the, uh, collision, the live stream Tuesdays at 12 o'clock Eastern time and, uh, and read some of the, the blogs Daniel has. And, and every year uh, we put out a book that kind of has a summary of, uh, 
of some of the best blogs that Daniel wrote and so, and others as well. What, what do we call that, Dan? How'd they get hold of that? Yeah, um, and you can get that through the collision.org is sort of the, the base for a lot of uh, the ministry and we'll have links to the social media. And, and again, our live stream we do on Tuesdays, but we also uh, offer that now as an audio only podcast. So if you're not able to to watch, you know, the video live on, on Tuesday. I encourage you to check out, subscribe to that. And we just sort of look each week at sort of topical or else general issues for kind of engagement. Yeah. And, and I encourage you to send in some tough questions <laughs> and make them have to answer them live uh, for you because keep them on their toes. But, uh, well, Dan, thanks. It's, uh, I've had to work a bit to get you, uh, uh set, you know, in the studio here, but I'm glad we finally got you. And, uh, and also just encourage our listeners, if you've got some questions you'd like uh, me to ask Daniel in upcoming episodes, we want to just go down a number of paths related to culture, uh, some of the, the very current issues that can sometimes be very divisive among Christians. And so look forward to having Daniel back. And uh, in the meantime, uh, just look forward to uh, hearing your questions and comments. And we'll try to address those in the episodes to come. So, Daniel, thanks yeah, once thank again you for, for being having with us. Me on. <laughs> and now you owe me some Thai food or something. <laughs> thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackv.org.